Good morning, church. Let me try it again. One of these Sundays, I, I ask God, please let him be just awake. Just kidding. Good morning, church. There you go. Now you're awake. Let's open up right away. We're going to open up your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. But let me give us a little bit of context. As always, this is towards the end of Paul's ministry. He's surrounded by future leaders, and he's telling them, look, lead the way I've led. And these are the examples I want you to do as you go and plant churches throughout our nation and our world. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and then he says this. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, the less fortunate. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now he's going to quote Jesus Christ himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed in Greek literally means to be happy. He's saying it is more joyful to give than to receive. Jesus is saying it is better to give than to receive. I've read these verses before. I've heard Jesus is saying about giving and receiving. But if I'm honest, and I always want to be honest, I preached about being authentic last week. I really like to receive. I get really happy receiving stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I like giving, but I'm not doubting Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But I remember sometimes when people gave me stuff and I was pretty blessed, quote unquote, happy. But I know that Jesus is right. So let me ask you, I'm asking myself the same question. Why do I doubt Christ when it comes to giving? Why can I feel that it is better to give than to receive? You want to know the answer to that? Greed. Huh. Now you're saying to yourself, no, not me, pastor. I'm not greedy. Most of us, if we're honest, have a little bit of greed within us. See, greed is a little sneaky. See, we tend to disguise greed. Some of us will say, I'm not greedy. I just like to save. I'm not greedy. I'm just preparing for the future. All of that is great. There are several verses in Proverbs that talk about that. But greed is something that none of us really want to admit. I've never heard anybody say, you know what my problem is, my real issue is that I'm just greedy. No, no one will do that. But let me ask you a question, several questions, to see if maybe there might be a little issue in you when it comes to greed. Ask yourself and answer these questions to yourselves. Don't point at anybody here, okay? This is for you and you alone. Are you content with what you have? Are you satisfied? No, I have enough. I don't need more stuff. Is it hard for you to give away money? Let me rephrase that. Are you cheerfully giving? I love to give. I can't wait to give whatever to whomever. How often do you talk about money with your family? 
if you're married, how many times has your wife asked you for money and your response is, oh, we don't have enough. We can't afford that. You need more shoes. Last question. Are you beginning to feel a little bit uncomfortable sensing that we're going to be talking about giving? If so, then maybe you may have a little issue with greed. But the bottom line, church, the root of greed is this. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Let me say that again. Greed is not a financial issue. It is a heart issue. That is going to be my sermon point for today. Because honestly, it deals with our heart. I've met a lot of rich people that are greedy. And I've met a lot of poor people that are also greedy. Not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So... We know that it's a heart issue. As a matter of fact, Andy Stanley in his book, Enemies of the Heart, he says this, that when it comes to greed, we tell ourselves that I owe me. Everything I have, I deserved it, I earned it, I owe me. He says this, and I quote, greedy people believe they deserve every good thing that comes their way. Their mantra is, what's mine is mine because I've earned it and I've got a lot more coming. Before I continue, I want to just say this, that many of the applications that I'm going to share with you today come from Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart. I recommend if you get a chance, grab a copy and read it. You will not regret it. So if you've got your Bibles with you and opened up, now turn back to Luke. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15. But before we jump in, let me share a little bit of context, context, context. It's so important. So Jesus is speaking to the crowds as he usually is. And then he hears someone yell out, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to split my inheritance with me. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 who made me judge over your inheritance? Why are you proclaiming and claiming or, or claiming out to me? I've got nothing to do with that. And then he turns to the crowd and says this. Verse 15, chapter 12. Watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Notice he turns to the crowd and says, look out, be careful. Greedy will sneak, greed will sneak up on you. Let's not be greedy. And then he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What is Jesus telling the crowd? What is Jesus telling us? Our stuff is not our life. And some of us tend to believe that everything we have is who we are. Sometimes, church, sometimes we value more our stuff than we do people. And so we cling on to our stuff. You know why I believe we do that? Why we just feel that we need more stuff, we need more money? Because we are scared. Fear fuels greed. 
Fear fuels greed. That's the honest truth. So what we have, we cling on to it because we don't know how long we'll have it. We believe that's our security. So our whole world is a question of what if. What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if? What if? But honestly, if we ask that question, you know what we're really asking? What if God can't supply my needs? What if God can truly come and give me what I need? And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And I love this promise. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Church, God will always give us what we need. God won't give us what we want. Big difference. As I'm preparing for this sermon, the way I usually feel as I prepare to any sermon, God speaks to my heart. I feel convicted. And honestly, I've been struggling a little bit with this area here. My wife and I have gone to a new season where she stepped down of being a full-time teacher, and now she's part-time here at Grace Bible Church. We've got two kids in college. I got inflation. We all got inflation. But as I read these promises, and I hope as you're hearing these promises, you can feel the way I feel and, and truly Feel that God's got this. There's no need to feel anxious. God has never let me down. And I know God will never let me down. That is the promise that we need to set our foundation is. So Jesus says, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of grief. Do not, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It's not, your life is not what you have. And then he goes on and begins a parable. Verse 16, he says this, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundance of harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So we see that Jesus begins his parable. We have this rich man who has a great ear. He's got a major profit. He has an abundance. Now remember... He's speaking to an agricultural society. Most of the people listening to Jesus at this time were probably farmers. And they knew, as we know now, that there's a lot of things when it comes to farming that are out of our control, out of their control. They can control when it rains. They can control how the soil is going to act. And see, not once does this man stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you for the rain. No, his mentality, like a lot of our mentality, is like, I earned it. I deserve it. When was the last time that you stopped and just thanked God to give, for giving you the ability to wake up in the morning, go to work? When was the last time you just stopped and said, thank you for what I have? But this guy... He's like, man, I earned it. I've got an abundance. It's awesome. It's great. And he's got this dilemma. What should I do with all this stuff? Now hear me before I go on. There's nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong with having more and having more stuff. The issue, I believe, the issue that I have and maybe some of you have is that when we get more, we never stop and say, God, what do you want me to do with it? You provide God, you decide. 
But our attitude is we get more, we have an abundance. Where should I spend it? What should I do? It's all about me. The same was the issue with this guy. So he has this dilemma, this rich man, what should I do? What do I need to do with this big problem of having so much? And then he makes a decision. Verse 18, he says, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my stuff. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've got it made. That's what his decision was. Andy Stanley says that this man suffered what's known as big barn syndrome, BBS. We all, in a way, suffer from BBS. Let's be honest. How much stuff is in your garage? You probably can't even put your car in your garage because of BBS. We cleaned out our garage yesterday, and boy, there was tons of stuff. We can put our cars in our garage because we have our stuff neatly stacked. Church, people are getting rich out of our BBS. Really, look around. How many storages are being built in Laredo? Why? Because we have so much stuff. And we want to keep it. We want to hoard it. And we say, this is mine. I earned it. I deserve it. Mine, 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 mine. This man had the same issue. But he decides, you know what? I've got it made. I've got so much stuff. I will just take it easy. Drink and be merry. That's my security blanket. My stuff. Perfect bulletproof plan. So he thought. Louis God says... In the next verse, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This guy thought, I have it set. All my stuff. But God said, no. I've got other plans. See, this guy's problem is that he thought his abundance of stuff assured him of the abundance of time. He thought that he could outlive his stuff. So imagine this guy has this huge problem. Like, I know, bigger barn. Calls the contractor. Hey, this is what I want. I want this nice, big, luxurious barn for all my stuff. And that very night, he's dead. But notice, God asks him a question. Who will get all your stuff? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You know the response to that? Someone else. Church, none of us are taking anything with us when we die. And it doesn't matter how much we want to hoard and keep our stuff because we don't want anybody else to have it. Eventually, someone else is going to get it. That's the truth. And that's why God was clearly telling this man, you fool. And then Jesus, he ends his parable with a strong warning. Verse 21, he says this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What is Jesus doing with this warning? I believe he is defining what it means to be greedy. And here's 
what I believe God's definition of greed is. Greed is storing up for yourself and not for his kingdom. Greed is storing up for yourself and not for his kingdom. Look what Jesus says also in Matthew 6 verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Did you notice what God calls this man? He calls him a fool. I don't want to say the translation is Spanish because it sounds very harsh. But you can imagine. You fool. Why? It's not that he had extra stuff. Again, there's nothing wrong with having extra. Nothing at all. He was called a fool because of the way he handled his stuff. He was called a fool because he believed his stuff was his life. He was called a fool because he believed that his fortune was all about him and all for his consumption. He was called a fool because he thought he earned it, he deserved it, he was the owner of all things. Church, I believe he was called a fool because he believed that it was better to receive than to give. So I want you to ask yourselves... When it comes to your stuff, are you being foolish? When it comes to the way you handle what God has given you, are you being a fool? Are you being foolish by loving your stuff? This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and Pierce themselves with many pangs. Church, are you being foolish by thinking that everything you have is for you and you alone? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measured, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with measure you use it will be measured back to you. Church, are we being foolish by thinking that we own it? Newsflash, everything belongs to God and we're just called whatever he's given us to be good stewards, to manage his money, his resources. I love what David writes in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is whose? Yours. It's God's. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Church, are you being foolish like I admit I'm being foolish when we believe that it's better to receive than to give? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not out of obligation, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pause for a little bit, church, and think how much God has given you, how much God has given me. We have a lot of stuff. Church, this is the truth. We make more money than a lot of people in other nations all over the world. We are the richest nation, but you know what? We're also the unhappiest nation. Do you know why I believe that is? 
because we're foolish. We're greedy deep down inside. We believe things like this rich fool believed. So what can we do to overcome greed? What can we start practicing? Greed is conquered with generosity. We could be a little more generous. Think about it. Just a little more generous. Andy Stanley has two very practical ways how we can become more generous. And let me share those with you quickly. He says we should be a percentage giver. What does that mean? Biblically, we believe that 10% is biblical to give. Now, I know some of you think 10%? That's Old Testament. We're not under law. We're under grace. Yes. But, but this, remember this. Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. 10% is a good measure to do that. There's nothing wrong with giving 10%. It is not a sin. I've gone through this journey. I didn't want to give, so I started with a little bit of percentage. I am maybe asking you to pray about maybe if you're not giving right now, give 2% and then a little more. Trust me, been there, done that. It is awesome. So try to be a per percentage giver. The other practical way that we can put into practice is be a spontaneous giver. Man, this is fun. My wife and I have in our budget what's called the spontaneous giving. And so we give. It's, it's not much, but it feels so good to do that. Put those into practice. I dare you. I double dog dare you. You will not regret it. Now, let me also say this. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm way much in debt. I can't afford it. Pastor, I have so much debt. You know what? When I get out of debt, I'll start giving. When I can afford it, I'll start doing that. Church, you're never, ever going to be ready to give. It's like saying this. I'm going to lose weight, and then I'll get in a diet. I'm going to get in shape, and then I'll go to the gym. No. God changes your heart as you start to practice it in everything he does. Believe me, I'm preaching what I practice. That's what we're called to do. And you know what? I'm so, so glad that God is 100% generous. See, over 2,000 years ago, church, Christ stepped out of heaven, leaving the riches of heaven and stepping down to this earth. And he didn't give 2%. He didn't give 5%. He didn't give 10%. He gave 100%. He died for you and for me. If that's not generosity, I don't know what is. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, being God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient 100% to the point of death, giving his life 100% at the cross. That, church, is generosity. You know what blows my mind? That whoever puts his trust in the work of Jesus Christ, in their hearts, believe that? We get to spend eternity with him. His generosity paid our sin debt 100%.
You know what else happened over 2,000 years ago? As Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit and his church was established. Believers inherited the Holy Spirit within them. And I love what I read in Acts chapter 2 verse 45. Listen to the way the church was responding. It says this, and they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know what they were doing? They were sharing each other's burdens. I see that here. And day by day, attending the temple together, you know what they were doing? They were coming to church on Sunday. They were making a priority. I see that here. And breaking bread in their homes. They were fellowshipping, having carne asada. Boy, do I see that here. They received their food with glad and what kind of hearts? I can't hear you. Generous hearts. We could always be more generous, church. Praising God and having favor with all people that were worshiping. Awesome. I can only imagine as we're growing as a church, as a family, if we become more and more generous. I can only imagine if we would be the church over 2,000 years ago that we read in Acts. Doing, not out of obligation, but because we wanted to, out of our generosity. You know what happened over 2,000 years ago because of the way the church acted? The same thing that could happen now. Verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Ultimately, that's what we're called to do. To bring others to Christ so they can hear the good news. I love also what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where Paul is telling the church in, in Corinth how they are there because of the generosity of the church in Macedonia. And he says this, they were giving generously through their trials or suffering. They weren't waiting, well, till I can afford it. No, they were just generous knowing that church were being planted. I love what we read in Exodus as this temple was being built and people just came and came and Moses says, Stop! We've got too much. Imagine as we're growing, as a new building is coming, if we were that type of church, we're out of our hearts, not out of obligation. We just gave. We want to plant more churches throughout our community for the good news of Jesus Christ, how he's changed your heart, how many hearts need to be changed. Church, I'm going to throw this out there as well. Something, again, I practice what I preach at least I try to. We need more to stand up and serve. Kids ministry, audio, visual, worship, middle school, high school. There's a place for every single one of you. We're not asking to do it every Sunday. Once in a while, pray about it and ask God, have I ever served at least one Sunday in any capacity saying hello? It's not hard. Hi. Not at all. We want to put you where God has gifted you. And trust me, God has not called us to sit and consume. He's called us to give. Let me also ask, if you haven't given, it's not for me. It's for him. Try it just a little bit. Pretty soon, because of our generosity, more people will come to know the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise for who you are. And I pray that you keep leading us through the Holy Spirit. That we become more and more of generous people. Change our hearts. I know, Father, I struggle with this. But I've known the results 
of all things when we just put into practice your promise, even when it's just a little bit. Father, ultimately what we want, ultimately what you have given us is to be more more of a giving people. Not for our glory, but all for yours, Father, so others can come and understand and we can have baptisms after baptisms after baptisms as people come to know your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Love you, church. Have a blessed week.